to Burger Creek Productions' 15 Minutes of Fame podcast features agents Chat, Adam and Billy from the Power Pop Trio, Covered Flops. Here's their song, Covered Commission. I'll do uh, I'll do some intros and then we can kind of roll right into it because I'm looking I'm looking at the levels. Everyone seems to be hot, um, so we're good. Uh, my name is Lou. This is the Burger Creek Productions 15 Minutes of Fame meandering conversation. Uh, I, I guess it's a podcast. I don't like calling it that, but here we are. I have agents Chad, agents Adam, and agents Billy from the covert flops uh do you i do you identify with indiana i know it's like you have to list it on your band camp page but like if people ask is it straight up like yes we are an indiana-based sci-fi power pop band like how do you guys how do you guys introduce yourselves the band to other people yeah that's about it really i don't know i'm always nervous to put us out there when i when it comes up in conversation i was I get bashful about it. (laughs) (laughs) This is how I am. I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's probably a better way of introducing us than I've ever done. (laughs) And to be fair, we don't play too far away from home either. So it's not like we're up there every night saying, hello, Cleveland. Right. right. (laughs) Uh, Most people at the mail get it. (laughs) Now, had you, I, I know, I know, Billy, I know you have, you have the pots, like, have each of you all played together previously, or is this kind of the first time the three of you have come together to form this group or played, I, I should say played together? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, is first it. Time. Yeah. How uh, awkward were those first practices or were they pretty fluid? Actually, the first practices were just me and Adam yeah. and, uh, I mean, I think that first night we got at least one song halfway done. And then you pitched the idea for uh, DIY Till I Die. Mm-hmm. And I think that riff just immediately happened mm-hmm. when you were, you started, you, you already had it all, all written on the drums. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just, uh, it just, <laughs> it just came like that, like immediately. So, uh, it, we didn't really have too many growing pains, uh, except for, uh, when Billy joined and then he had to show me what music is and how to write it. (laughs) So (laughs) Chad, why does that stop there? That's not music. Uh, Sounds good. I think. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah, it was definitely a hurdle for me showing up where they already had been 
you know, they've, they've gotten into their groove. Mm. I've never had to learn someone else's song. I always just write them. Mm. So I was like, mm. what's happening? Do <laughs> brains work like this? I feel bad for the, all the other people I put through this. <laughs> so <laughs> what was that like? Um, specifically specifically for you billy like coming into a situation where it's like i've never had to deal with that before right you're always just kind of the 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 songwriter was that did it take a couple practices to get used to that or once it kind of locked in and it's like taking that passenger seat or taking that back seat for a minute it was like okay i can get used to this pretty easily like was that was that odd for you to get used to yeah getting used to just somebody else's songs uh, again, not having developed it from conception. Mm-hmm. And again, it's still punk rock when the day said and done, but there are some kooky things. And I'm like, man, I wouldn't have done that. So it's hard for me to like lock in on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since day one, and Chad and Adam can attest to this, I anytime I have an idea, I'm always like, you know, take it or leave it. I'm not trying to, this is just an idea. I'm actually sorry I mentioned it. Never mind. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want it very much. Yeah, like I have ideas, but I don't. Know, I've, I feel like from the get go, I was able to curb that and not just be like, "Nope, mm. it's this way. No, nothing else will work." Well, I, I, find... like, I re- oh, go ahead. I remember uh, Billy like uh, when we had like one of our first practices, and Billy came to it. Uh, Chad and I were working on the song um, "I Was Dick for Tracy," and it was really slow. Like that intro was kind of like how it was throughout the entire song. Mm-hmm. And Billy, like I remember, like when you came in, you were like, "Well, I think the chorus should be like this. It should be faster." And I'm like, "Holy shit, that that sounds really good." <laughs> <laughs> this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, what's 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 cool about that song too is that there is the breakup between those two parts. There's the yeah. intro part, like, and and it doesn't or. Can you can we call it an intro part or is it just like uh, is it a bridge? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's it's definitely a, a weird. That's a weird song. Yeah, it, um, it's it's different. Definitely, it can be. It's very polarizing to people, and it, it can be jarring too. Like it just, just you know, one beat, and then it's you know it's twice as fast and. Um, like your normal pop punk song and then it just drops off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like playing around with those kinds of ideas. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, who cares? Yeah, uh, right. It's just uh, my, it, it's cool to try something different and, and kind of take risks and mm-hmm. just be like, yeah, you know, this is the way it is maybe. And there's songs that I've written. And I'm like, I don't even really like them. And <laughs> and like they end up being like the oh, one no, I hate playing yeah, no. live all the time is Riff Randall. Yeah. Right? It's just to me it's so boring. It's this it's just really repetitive, and uh, it just drives me nuts. The one saving grace is is Billy's bass run through the whole song that actually adds mm-hmm. some dynamics to it. But that's the one that no one screams for any of the. <laughs> songs that I think are the best. No well, one gives two shits. <laughs> when we went to record that first album, and you were like, "Eh, uh, spy codes, whatever. It's whatever. It's lame, and we'll just put it on a comp and be done with it." And I'm like, "Oh, if you think so." And like now, that's like a staple. I mean, people look forward <laughs> yeah. to that one. I mean, that's just yeah, catchy. 
it's just funny. Yeah. Now speaking speaking of the record, um, Defcon one two three four. I'm curious about <laughs> the Russian writing on those banners. Do you guys know what that <laughs> says? I think um, I asked the guy who did it. Um, who's George George uh, Durbin the uh, third from uh, Cretan Face Designs? He's the one that did the artwork. I think one side says death to America and I can't remember what the other side says. Um, yeah, I don't, th I think the album was actually already out and I go, Oh, Hey, I've been meaning to ask you like, what does this even say? <laughs> and, uh, I can't remember what one side says. I think my other side is death to America. So I, I don't know what kind of vibes we're giving out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, it's great over in Mother Russia, but it's great, man. I mean, whatever. I, the reason I'm looking, the reason I'm looking at it, because like, I, I have my CD and I'm 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 looking at it, and I was, you know, in preparation for this episode, just putting together some questions, and I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll grab the CD, I'll see if there's any liner notes, anything to like spur, you know, whatever. And I and I was looking at the cover, just like not not really staring at it, but like I it caught my eye. I was like, and then I picked it up and looked closer. I was like what does that say? <laughs> and so I had to, I had to ask just as a quick little aside while I had you guys on the phone. Um, now back, back in November of, I think it was 2019, there was a partially declassified document that you had provided to us as an update on the second full length <laughs> album. Now, obviously given what happened over the course of 2020, can you give us an update, status update on uh, on that second album? What can we expect for uh, for twenty twenty one? We got another full length. Um, it's called Mission Implausible, <laughs> and I think it's uh, Billy. Is it sixteen songs? Uh, I thought we whittled it down to fourteen. Maybe it's fourteen. It, I can't remember. Between fourteen and sixteen, right? Oh yeah, I think it is fourteen. Yeah, fourteen because we recorded a cover. We recorded seventeen songs. One was a cover, and two ended up elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fourteen. We did eighteen because the other one was a thirty-second. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. Eight. Oh. <laughs> seventeen and a half. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's coming out. Um. I think Q3, uh, Q3, Q, Q3 okay. Q2, somewhere around there. I, I don't exactly know. Um, I know next, actually next week on Tuesday, Billy and I are going back to the studio and just um, tying up some loose ends with it nice. and um, adding some flair. But all the other stuff is, is done and recorded. Um, Mom's Basement Records, they already announced that they're doing our next full length. So, yeah, Excellent. we haven't talked much about it. But, yeah, it's it's coming out on Mom's Basement. I Again, I don't exactly know when. Q2, Q3, somewhere around there. Cool. There's other, some, you know, there's some other releases coming out, too. There's one coming out, um, uh, I think, like, middle of this month. But it's a, it's extremely limited um limited uh release physical release but there will be streaming for it um but 
not announcing everything there, but it's just two two songs, two songs okay. and a single. Um, so that's going to be pretty tight. Nice. Well, you know, you know, well, my ears anyway, picked up, you hear physical release. It's like, okay, what do we got? What do we got coming down the line? But, but anyway, I will sit tight for that. The shifting gears to, to kind of a couple more, a couple personal questions. Um, what I'm, I, I asked this, I asked this question for the first time the other day when I was talking with a band from Washington and I, I, I really liked the question a lot. I thought it was, it was pretty cool because I got some really unique answers, but for each of you, what is one band or artist that changed your life that most people wouldn't know changed your life? Oh gosh. <laughs> the putts. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely threw my life into a people. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't talk about it openly, but uh, I don't know, like the first band I ever liked was the offspring. Hmm. Nice. Uh, I'm weirdly on the fence about their new album coming out in April. I don't know if I'm excited or yeah, uh, or scared, but that's, that's <laughs> probably my guilty pleasure. What what really did it with the Offspring? Was it that self-titled record? Uh, it was uh for me it was um that Americana album. Oh hell yeah! Just, I mean, it that was the right age for that. I was like, oh, this is fun and not. I didn't have an outlet to other music. So I, you know, I, I mostly didn't listen to the radio, but I caught snippets of this and I was like, well, that seems okay though, compared to everything else I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of dug deeper, found smash from there and mm-hmm. was like, yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> then my buddy showed me screeching weasel and I was like, that's terrible. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> how long did it, uh, how long did it take you to come around to, uh, to Screeching Weasel? Um, that actually, I mean, it was pretty quick from there. I mean, he showed me Boogada Boogada Boogada, which okay. I don't think is a great intro album. Uh, for probably, for what's could, in store probably could have gone with like my brain hurts or something, you know, like me. That's just yeah, me anyway. I don't know. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely something that showcases, uh, the, the full spectrum, not just the all snot. Some of the melody, some of the some of the 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 sugar a little bit, as much as Ben but, can do the sugar thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, like right after, like right around that time, I mean, I think Teen Punk and Heat came out, and I picked up Anthem, and I was like, oh, okay, no, this is actually like they write real songs. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about for the rest of you guys? Um, I I think well for me the first band that I ever really liked, and this is like, I don't know if I'm, you know, showing that I'm not cool, but <laughs> it was the Beach Boys. You know, I remember, because I, I grew up over on the East Coast, and my, my, my and I, I'm actually a twin, and my twin brother, like, you know, he liked Rush, like Pink Floyd, and The Who, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the Beach Boys, I'm like, this stuff sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the harmonies, and oh, yeah. the songs are about surfing, girls, and cars, I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> Where, uh, um, whereabouts on the East Coast you grew up? Uh, Staten Island. Okay. All right. See, I'm, I, I live up in Albany, and I grew up in Syracuse. Oh, so, like, yeah. I'm not, yeah. not like, it's always that great thing when people are like, oh, hey, where are you from? It's like, I'm from New York. I'm like, oh, how do you love the city? It's like, I'm not from New York City. It sounds yeah. cool to say I'm from New York, but I'm not from New York City. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not yeah. from New York City. 
Uh, Staten I've been Island. to uh, Rensselaer. Is that how you pronounce it? Rensselaer. <laughs> you You're close. You're Rensselaer. Rensselaer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been there a couple of times. Nice. Would you come up like on the train or the bus or something? On the Amtrak. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, the Beach Boys. That's. I think that's. That's definitely one of those. Uh, obviously, bands like the Ramones and stuff. They uh, identified yeah. with the the surf. You know that element of it, right? But I think there's yeah. there's some pretty excellent gems in in all that music because it's it's mm-hmm. rock and roll, you know. Um, and for me, it's like you know, surf and safari. Like any of that stuff is always it's driving music, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, BPM wise and stuff like that. Like it's got a beat behind it. It's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just was always drawn to that. I was just, like, I, I, I never got into like music that was about politics, music mm. that was serious. Like, I like the fun stuff, and also like the early Beach Boy records. All, all the songs are so short. You know, they're like two minutes, but they're so good. The two minutes are so good. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, um, yeah, really, I really like them. Like the harmonies and everything. Oh man. Then eventually I got into the Ramones. I'm like, oh crap, the Ramones are just like the Beach Boys, just a little bit faster. <laughs> And harder. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that was that. So, did you branch out into any like the Brian Wilson stuff too? Like, oh, I'm yeah. sure you oh, smile yeah. and all that oh, shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw him so many times in concert. I actually saw him about three or four years ago when he came to Indy, and that really wasn't a good show. I mean, I think his piece passed his prime, but but oh yeah, like the the, the smile records, the solo albums, Imagination, all that stuff. So good. So good. So how I'm curious because I I don't think I've ever seen any footage from him we'll say that we'll we'll use a term recently loosely how does mm. he re- how does he replicate some of that stuff live because from what i've learned from what his writing process is like like he he envisions everything from you know especially obviously the vocal harmonies being a huge part of that how does he do that in a live like setting See, um, he has a band in the, uh, called the Wondermints, and that was his backing band that he came across, I think, like in the late 90s. Okay. And that was before like he wanted to actually solo or go, or go tour live. Mm-hmm. And he came across this band called the Wondermints. I think they were from California, and uh, they were his backing band, and, they're still, and they still are his backing band. So whenever he plays live, he has the Wondermints and some other musicians playing with them, but he just sits at his keyboard, and he just pretty much just does his, like, his hand motions, and he might press a piano key here and there but but overall he just sits there huh. and he might sing a little bit but the backing band is really what does it did you did you see any of that footage of of marky ramon playing with like yeah, mike love, mike love. Yeah. yeah i saw that yeah. i saw that that was pretty cool that I was mean, cool I, yeah, no, they're playing. What were they playing? They're playing uh, uh, song. Didn't they do a Beach Boy song and a Ramon song? Yeah, Rockaway Beach. It was yeah, Rockaway, Rockaway Beach. Beach. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think they did maybe like a Beach Boy song or something like that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marky's funny. Marky's funny. Um, yeah, I, I like him. He's yeah. a good drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's wild, wild man. I, I'm a big yeah. Richie guy too. I think Richie's fucking super oh, rad. Cool. Richie's awesome. Cool. But anyway, I digress. So who? Wait. So who, who hasn't gone? We just talked about the Beach Dad. Boys for like nine oh, yeah. minutes. <laughs> um, I guess for me, uh, when I discovered guitar and kind of came up, um. I was really big into blues and uh, Steve Ray Vaughan, BB um, King, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then, I mean, there was a long time where I didn't play guitar, I didn't practice, I didn't play for probably a good 
you know, seven, eight years. And, um, seven, eight years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then I discovered, uh, um, St. Vincent and, um, really? she just does bonkers stuff with her guitar. And that kind of got, that brought me back to wanting to just mess with it hmm. and, um, just keep practicing not not even pop punk stuff it's just just doing whatever because i didn't even really write much if at all at that time and then um seeing the jasons and and getting to know those guys brought me to where we're here talking to you i guess because mm-hmm. <laughs> i didn't i never um i don't, I, I always liked pop punk mm-hmm. and i always liked punk music the ramones all that stuff um, but it it was never like a thing for me. I don't know. I wasn't like a, I wasn't part of any scene. I wasn't part of any you know group of people that liked anything in particular. I've always kind of just been on my own with stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a couple people to thank there for me doing music. Well, so with with blues in particular. I mean, did you kind of run the gambit with, I, I obviously mentioned like Steve Ray Vaughan, but obviously like, you know, was, was Zeppelin or even someone like the David Gilmore, Pink Floyd, you know, t- take on blues. Like, did you get into that end of it or were you strictly blues rock, you know, um, like, uh, what's, always... like, what's his face? Uh, Healy there, the, the blind Jeff Healy band, you know, like stuff like where it's like that that's blues rock music, even some of the Hendrix stuff that, da- you know, dabbles in the blues. Right. Sure. I, as for me, it's always the weirder, the better. Okay. Um, well, St. Vincent I makes mean, sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So I always like people that did, did weird stuff. So yeah, David Gilmore, he's another, he's a big reason i play a Stratocaster most of the time too is mm-hmm. is you know that's why I chose that guitar and then also because of Steve Ray Vaughan too sure. and, and Jimmy um but um yeah I don't know the weirder the better is what I always gravitate towards even if I like part of me goes like this uh, this is too weird like what is going <laughs> on here like that David Byrne and St. Vincent album yeah. is just bonkers and uh yeah, I don't know. That's just where my brain likes to go. <laughs> speaking of weird, and then we'll move on. Uh, and speaking of David Byrne, you ever check out that David Byrne, Brian? You know, I know they did two records together. Yeah. Did, what did you like the second one he did, or did you did you like them, or were they like a little too out there? Um, a little. I don't want to say a little too out there, but I, I don't know. Brian Eno's for me has always been. Uh, boring i don't know <laughs> i mean dude the guy's got what like seven ambient albums he's not the most energetic <laughs> yeah, like, right. dude out there. it's like you know yeah usually when people start talking about brian Eno or like radiohead or anything like that i just get so tired oh you're not uh, you, so have you checked out the upbeat radiohead shit and i'm sure you've gotten uh, that question I'm too i'm about ready to fall asleep see exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, no i haven't actually not at all so so anyway changing gears i i did want to ask <laughs> you about the 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 brian Eno david Byrne shit because what i will say is i think the second one they came out with it's called home that one's pretty cool that one like is a lot less experimental than like my life as a bush of ghost that first one he did so i think yeah. there's a lot more david Byrne influence 
in that that That's second good. album. So it's good. It's there's more songs, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Um, and I'll agree to that because I remember actually buying that and um, listening to it. That's a really good album. It's a great like a album. Like on a, one fine day is on yes. the title track. Yeah, yes. it's really good yes. album. It's really accessible. Excellent, excellent. Coming full circle. We awesome. Thank you. Um, so mm-hmm. the 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 one thing I was curious about. I'm sure that people ask this. You know, ask you guys about this. Is there anything you can share with me about the Red Baron influence Snoopy mascot? I think that's what I'm looking at. Was this yeah. like uh, was this out of like love for Charles Schultz? Um, yes. Where did that birth from? Uh, my mom. Interesting. Um, she's huge huge uh snoopy fanatic she was uh i mean it's like that's just my whole childhood is just surrounded by (laughs) snoopy in one way or another um so yeah it just really you know just kind of giving a shout out to her um Almost all the shirts I usually wear when we play live are Snoopy in some sort of way, and it just—I just thought it was hilarious. And George knocked it out of the park. So, who is your? And the, and the answer might be Snoopy. Who is your uh, peanut character, uh, like spirit animal or equivalent? Is it? Is it Snoopy? <laughs> uh, or are you a Schroeder? Are you a Schroeder? I'm definitely not gonna say Joe Cool. <laughs> but <laughs> that's too pompous. That's funny. Um, um, definitely not Charlie Brown. Um, I mean, you go to dog mm, training school, so you're not pig pen. You know, you don't yeah. have a <laughs> cloud of dirt behind you and flies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Schroeder's too cool. So I'm, I'm just going to say Charlie Brown, I guess. OCB, huh? Yeah, old Chuck. Old Chuck. Dude, so um, were there any logos that didn't make the cut? No. No, that was it? Not really. That was just like the first um, idea I had. And then Adam's wife made the first one. That was our sticker Mm -hmm. for the longest time. Um, We need to do that as a shirt now that I'm thinking about that. Mm. But I drew up a like a screeching weasel knockoff one. And is that the one that's on the skateboard? We'll yeah. I don't know if we'll ever use that for anything like shirts. Maybe. I don't think we'll get sued. <laughs> uh, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, we need to get going on another logo, I guess. No, I do. I like the logo. I was just, I, I, yeah, I, I was curious. I, I, you know, cause you, you hear that sometimes it's like, because obviously in this case, this is one of those where it's like, the name of the band doesn't necessarily mirror that of the mascot. Neither does it have. It doesn't have to, right? But <laughs> right. but I'm just curious if there was anything prior to that where it was like, oh, you know, we'll have blank. You know, we'll use a toad in a leather jacket or something, right? Like, and then and then it was like, ah, let's go with Red Baron slash Snoopy, right? You know, let's kind of roll mm-hmm. with that idea. Now, this might be more of a question. Um, I guess this might be, I, I, well, you all have kind of mentioned like appreciation, love for the Ramones, but um, this might be a question geared more towards Billy, I suppose. Um, and this is meant to be an open-ended question, but why are the Ramones a timeless band in your opinion? Oh man, that's, 
Uh, I don't know, because everybody tells you they are. Essentially, when you get credit uh, for paving the way for something that you know so many people want to keep doing, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know, they just never got pushed out. They never got topped and replaced. Um, well, that's a. I mean, to be fair, uh, in the old days, I used to argue that you know I would usually rather listen to a, a cover of a Ramones song than the Ramones. <laughs> there was a spell there, um, but that was largely due to production. I was like, I'd rather listen to just an updated version of these. But as I got older, I, don't know, I got used to that sound. Hmm. I was like, oh yeah, no, this is actually pretty cool. As to why it endures, I don't know, man. They just they have that strength. To endure. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I hate you. That was great. That was great. <laughs> I, t- I for me, I just think it was it was the right place, New York. Mm-hmm. It was the right time, you know, late seventies, mid seventies, whatever. It was just like the right look, the right sound and the right like sense of humor about it all i guess Mm -hmm. and like just it you know sort of the feeling like they don't care but i don't know it's just it just it just seems like everything came together just to make a it's just you know all the ingredients were right to make just something that's memorable um the right logo right yeah. Thanks, Arturo. I mean, everything, yeah, everything just, I remember when I was a kid growing up, I I legit thought they were all brothers, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> they just had that cool look, they, they cool, you know, I don't want to say cool hair, it was just goofy, but I mean, it was just, everything was just, it was super cool. I don't know, like, I don't know. That, that's yeah, just, I think it was just like a, it. yeah, it's it just mm-hmm. right place, right time, right sound, right look. It was just fate. Well, Billy, I think you touched on something kind of important, but also like something I wanted to expand upon. Were there any like albums that it, they kind of took a while for them to grow on you? But as you've spent more time with them, um, ha- have there been any Ramones records that like have clicked the more you listen to them? Um, I mean, not to be generic, but I mean, I, like with any band it's for me it's always like the early stuff mm-hmm. like i like when they started getting a little, you know like a little weirder i don't know like just the simplicity of the first you know very least the first two if not more but just off the top of my head i mean those songs are all like i mean their first two albums were basically like just one long best of album right right <laughs> like you get a ramones anthology and you're like, well, this is mostly just beginning the front end of the catalog i mean there's obviously they continued to have good songs but it's just like you know uh, i don't know it's um i just i like i like that and like the the weird goof it always one thing that always stood out to me is like their weird goofy use of uh things that were familiar like the you know the first verse different from the first Mm -hmm. like kind of like those weird almost like nursery rhyme-esque chance that you're like mm-hmm. that doesn't belong here but i'm into it um i don't know oh weird st- i don't know oh well i don't 
don't have a I don't have a cue card for this question. No, no, no. You're <laughs> dude, you're good. You're good. And and that's the thing. It's the the reason I asked that is because I, I feel like the Ramones are one of those bands that A, not only people can talk about this and debate and, and chat for forever, but everyone has different tastes. And because they were a band for so long, because they toured extensively, because although their sound moderately changed, it didn't really. So therefore, everyone has different tastes for the eras. Because like when it breaks down, it's like, yeah, you can kind of break it up into, you know, the the first three records, right? And then pretty much you look at uh, Road to Ruin, and then maybe we cut it off at Pleasant Dreams, and then Subterranean Jungle kind of floats somewhere in the middle, and then it's the Richie era stuff, right? And then, so it's like, things can break up, but um, everyone has different answers for, especially for the stuff that it's like, you know, what what albums have grown on you? And that's what I was, I was curious about, and it's... It's it's cool to hear say it's like no it's it's the first three or the first two albums are are that example where it's like that's stuck with me it's continued to grow you know like for me um, the one album that I think a lot of people like or critics like that I never got into and I guess I grew on it was the Too Tough to Die album hell yeah because I like like the poppy songs the background harmonies you know like on Pleasant Dreams and stuff like that. But, like, on Too Tough to Die, it was, like, really hard and aggressive. You know, like, Warthogs on that and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess as time has gone on, it's like, all right, hey, that's a pretty cool album. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Okay, I get it now. But at first, I'm like, yeah, I want to go back to the earlier ones. It's <laughs> <This is laughs> too hard, too aggressive for me. Come on. Well, that... Yeah, I do that with Mondo Bizarro. Yeah, yeah same that, thing. That yeah. And it's just the more I listen to it, I'm like, oh, dang, like, these are pretty cool. You know, yeah. job that ate my brain mm-hmm. and censorship. Uh, censorship. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I, th- I think too, going back to even like the production quality of some of the albums, um, adios amigos, the, the production quality on that album is like fantastic. It sounds good. Like I almost think sonically, like it's some of the better stuff. Right. But, it's the last album. So it's kind of this weird like dichotomy where it's, you know, you're looking at it, it's like, Oh, it sounds so good sonically, but it's also the, f- the swan song. Right. You know, but anyway, but, I mean, I don't want to grow up as tight. I mean, that's an awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome one. And the crusher the crusher is so good. Dude. The crusher is fantastic. Yeah. I wanted to specifically ask about uh, a movie franchise in particular. Um, we all know what happened the night he came home, but I wanted to ask each of you um, about the night he didn't come home. And that is, I'm right. I'm going to ask you guys about Halloween three. Um, first of all, who wrote the song? Chad. Uh, I did. Yeah. Okay. Are, do you, how do you feel about Halloween three? Uh, probably is. Man. It's not a loaded question. I, I'm, I'm not going to no, like jump on I, you. I'm just, I'm, I I'm want to talk about it. To, I don't know. If, I'd like to say that it's my favorite. Whoa. Um, Re- but three, the first, but yeah, but the original one is just such a classic. And, and it, I have a lot of memories, you know, watching it when I was a kid and being super freaked out. But uh, yeah, I mean, three is I liked the direction they went. I thought it was awesome. The score is really good. So good. Um, 
it's got some super freaky kills like that lady in the in the I think she's the lady in the hotel room that yeah. gets her face like melted off. The malfunction or whatever from that loose. Yeah. Is that it's is that awesome. movie not the most bonkers concept? You have this druid who's preparing to sacrifice children to appease the the quote unquote gods, if you will, or or God capital G, however you want to look at it. But he's also simultaneously built himself an army of androids that essentially carry out his like this the 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 plot is amazing. It's just, so perfectly eighties. It's crazy. No, uh, <laughs> well, I've said about that movie for a long time. If it just wasn't called Halloween, I think it yeah. would been a cult classic long before now when people are finally kind of clicked and they're like oh it wasn't supposed to have michael in it they didn't just forget right they meant to do it that way it's so. it's always one of those things too uh what i've found with like how john carpenter has kind of addressed it like he was basically like i didn't want to do a halloween past halloween too Halloween 2 was a little bit more brutal. It takes place literally, you know, in the same time frame as the first one. It's a, a direct continuation. And I'm wondering if it's just like, did it come down to like money? Right? Like, was it like, here, do another one for us. Deborah Hill's on board. Do another one. You know, like what led to that decision? Because I think you're right. I think if it didn't have the title, it would have clicked with people much sooner. Um I was just obsessed with it. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, this is insane to me because it, it seems like this crazy sci-fi, but also seemingly modern take on this plot. And I think what, what does it for me is like the whole like druidic, like occult, like magic end of it. Cause I don't think you, those things necessarily meld with the sci-fi stuff traditionally. And I could be wrong. Some Someone's going to be like, well, what about this obscure movie that no one's seen? It's like, <laughs> well, okay, well, I've, I've, fuck me, right, for bringing it up. But that's, that's, what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, yeah. think, I, I think that's like such a, a unique avenue that they took with that, a unique spin. I think I heard that he was wanting to do just like a an anthology of, yeah, basically, like, no, that's, he just wanted like a new, a, like, know, a bunch of body bags, right? Oh, body bags, body bags, phenomenal. Yeah, I love body bags so much. But I think he just wanted to do different, a bunch of different movies based around the theme of Halloween. Right. The date. And it just, the day. And, right. Like these yeah, revolve the day, around yeah, just, Halloween. Yeah, but then I think Michael Myers was just such a big hit. Well, and then, yeah, I mean, just and Jason were dominating the box office too. Mm -hmm. They were like, hey, "We got a killer, we got a slasher." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>